The Christian Atheist is also available on YouTube, and you will find other great content, including the literature I frequently refer to, on our Simple Gifts podcast. If you find our content helpful, consider supporting us through PayPal at RomansChapter5 at Comcast.net. Welcome to the Christian Atheist, where faith and reason fuse in the Incarnation. Episode number 62, Uncle Andrew and the Evident Evidence and Faith. It is said that a picture is worth a thousand words. A good literary picture is worth far more. In our series, The Evident Evidence and Faith, I have tried to lay out my vision for understanding the nature of our engagement with the world in such a way as to clarify why theism is a more rational and benevolent metaphysical position than any alternative. It was not, however, until I was nearly done with the series that Jenny and I began reading C.S. Lewis's The Magician's Nephew again. As we neared its conclusion, we discovered a passage in which Lewis made my position clearer in the space of a single page than I was able to over the four parts of this series. I am hoping today to utilize Lewis's brilliant literary picture to clarify what I have been attempting to say. We will pick up the story in chapter 10, after Uncle Andrew, Diggory, and Polly, and the cabbie have witnessed the creation of Narnia by Aslan. I will proceed by reading bits of text and commenting on them as we go. We must now go back a bit and explain what the whole scene had looked like from Uncle Andrew's point of view. It had not made at all the same impression on him as on the cabbie and the children. The cabbie and the children saw it as wondrous, as beautiful and good, as mysterious and magical. They felt no need to explain it. They accepted it as the evident. The text again. For what you see and hear depends a good deal on where you are standing. It also depends on what sort of person you are. There are, that is, fundamental choices underlying nearly everything about us, determining how we understand the world in which we live, what we see, hear, and experience, and how we interpret those experiences. These choices, like all choices, are value choices. Ever since the animals had first appeared, Uncle Andrew had been shrinking further and further back into the thicket. He watched them very hard, of course, but he wasn't really interested in seeing what they were doing, only in seeing whether they were going to make a rush at him. Like the witch, he was dreadfully practical. He simply didn't notice that Aslan was choosing one pair out of every kind of beasts. What we see, that is, is a function of what we pay attention to. Or stating it another way, our value structure, our intentionality. Here is another of those delightful paradoxes. The magician, the believer in magic, fails to see the magic. 
the real mystery of reality occurring all around him. Like the witch, he is dreadfully practical. Everything centers on means and ends, and because of this, he is blinded to certain aspects of reality. All he saw, or thought he saw, was a lot of dangerous wild animals walking vaguely about. And he kept on wondering why the other animals didn't run away from the big lion. What Uncle Andrew, in fact, saw did not fit his pre-established understanding of possible experience. That is, his metaphysical assumptions. His metaphysical blinders prevent him from seeing the rational structure right before his eyes, the evident. He is not puzzled by the magic that defies his rational explanation. He does not even see that, but by the events themselves, which fail to conform to his rationalized picture of reality. When the great moment came and the beasts spoke, he missed the whole point, for a rather interesting reason. When the lion had first begun singing, long ago when it was still quite dark, he had realized that the noise was a song. And he had disliked the song very much. Notice that alongside Uncle Andrew's perceptions, and profoundly affecting those perceptions, lies a value judgment. This is fundamental to the view of faith I am presenting. It made him think and feel things he did not want to think and feel. Then, when the sun rose, and he saw that the singer was a lion, only a lion, as he said to himself, he tried his hardest to make believe that it wasn't singing and never had been singing, only roaring as any lion might in a zoo in our own world. Of course it can't really have been singing, he thought. I must have imagined it. I've been letting my nerves get out of order. Who ever heard of a lion singing? It is in this way that the evident is corrected by denied by the rational value structure. And this process need not be as consciously reasoned out as Lewis presents it here. In many cases, this rationalization is part of the experience itself, conditioning the experience, correcting the evident. And the longer and more beautiful the lion sang, the harder Uncle Andrew tried to make himself believe that he could hear nothing but roaring. Now the trouble about trying to make yourself stupider than you really are is that you very often succeed. Uncle Andrew did. This is the nature of ideology, of empirical idealism. The world must conform to our rationalization of it not the other way around. The evident is corrected by the rationalization. He soon did hear nothing but Roy in Aslan's song. Soon he couldn't have heard anything else, even if he had wanted to. If we dispel the mystery as we rewrite the evident, we will never find it subsequently by looking at the evidence.
evidence by its very nature is a restricted subset of the evident, as it points to a specific metaphysical explanation. The evident as a whole, however, points to an ideal realm, what we may call the mystery, the ideal, the good, reality or God. Reason itself stands on this intentionality, as reason seeks to reach the ideal, the whole, assumes the ideal in pursuing it. Now, a metaphysical viewpoint necessarily involves this process of understanding reality in metaphysical terms, as this is how we understand our world, make sense of it, act in it. This is part and parcel of what we call value ordering our experience. Theists and non-theists do it. It is the process of human rationality seeking to understand the world in which we live. For the Western theist, the highest value is the mystery, God himself. The evident points to the mystery. This is the real meaning of the arguments from teleology and cause, the asymptote of knowledge, the ideal of value. When, instead of embracing the evident and the mystery to which it points, we privilege a rationalized metaphysics, rewriting the evident, and believing our rewrite to be true, we no longer see the evident, finding only evidence for our metaphysical view. In effect, we shift the uncertainty, the mystery of metaphysics, back onto the evident in order to rewrite it. Uncle Andrew is not puzzled by the magic, the mystery of a lion singing, or of animals talking, but by the failure of the animals to flee from the lion. The uncertain for him is the rational puzzle posed by his metaphysical assumptions, not the magic of creation happening all around him. Failing to appreciate the fundamental mystery, failing even to see it, he confuses himself by pondering why the evidence isn't matching his rational expectations. By concentrating his attention on the rational puzzle, he can dismiss the real magic enveloping him. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason. Respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.